So the reading from 2 Samuel is headed, Absalom kills Amnon. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep shearers were at Baal Hazor, near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Absalom went to the king and said, Your servant has had shearers come. Will the king and his officials please join me? No, my son, the king replied. All of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you. Although Absalom urged him, he still refused to go, but he gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. The king asked him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he sent him with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. Absalom ordered his men, Listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, and I say to you, Strike Amnon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Have I not given you this order? Be strong and brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules and fled. While they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. The king stood up, tore his clothes and lay down on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. But Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother, said, My lord should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Amnon is dead. This has been Absalom's expressed intention ever since the day that Amnon raped his sister Tamar. My lord the king should not be concerned about the report that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled. Now the man standing watch looked up and saw many people on the road, rest of him, coming down the side of the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the direction of Horonaim on the side of the hill. Jonadab said to the king, See, the king's sons are here. It has happened just as your servant said. As he finished speaking, the king's sons came in, wailing loudly. The king too and all his servants wept very bitterly. Absalom fled and went to Talmai, son of Amihab, the king of Geshur. But King David mourned for his son every day. After Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there for three years. Amen. And the final reading is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17. And it's headed, Warning Against Refusing God. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. 
Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who, for a single meal, sold his inheritance right as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he went to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Amen. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. All right. The very first picture that was shown to us earlier, uh, if you look at it very well, you will see that it has to do with somebody behind bars, isn't it? Someone in prison. And the other picture is nice colours busting out. But that person in prison will obviously not be excited by the experience of being in prison because of the weight that they are bearing who knows how long that is going to be who knows you know what took them into prison in the first instance so being in prison is not just you know a joke it's an experience that no one wants to experience or face and so once that happens, we, we have to begin to deal with some very difficult circumstances behind bars. But we have our liberty. And if anyone doesn't really enjoy or recognize it's a privilege, then let them try being in prison. And then they will discover that all the privileges they had have been taken away from them. You can't go for a walk when you like because you're in a cell. You know, there are many things you could still do behind bars these days because they have reformed the prison system so well these days. But even at that, people still have limitations of what they could do and what they couldn't do. So don't ever think it's something to play with, you know, to joke with your freedom. Now, unforgiveness among Christians is very real very very real and for me as a very young Christian I had one prized possession before I became a Christian and that my prized possession I kept so jealously wherever I went I kept it with me and if there's going to be a fire in the home I would dash for that one possession because I kept it so so jealously and I don't know if anyone else saw it but it was something that I hid from everyone else's sight. Only I knew what it was. Now, for a little child on that team, you would think it had to do with my toy, it had to do with something exciting. No, it had to do with an offense. Someone offended me, I wrote it down somewhere. And I gathered it jealously. I will never forgive this person all through my life. And when I become older and responsible, well, maybe irresponsible really. <laughs> when I become older and able to have a revenge, I was going to do that. But you know what? 
when the Lord Jesus Christ captured my soul as a secondary school student, a young teenager, that thing I had kept jealously was the first thing God said, go and tear it. In fact, burn it up. That was the first thing the Lord dealt with. Because you couldn't be a child of God and live in what? Unforgiveness. I learned that very, very early in my life. And that changed the way I relate with people. Because, I mean, people like the story of the, of the person who was gathering apples. People will offend you. And even from that day, do you think, after I burnt up that thing, that little scrap of paper, I had no diary then, I didn't know what was a diary, but it was a scrap of paper. But after I burnt it up, do you think people have not offended me since? They have, repeatedly, over. Have I not offended people? I have, repeatedly, over. Which means that forgiveness is something we have to face. Now, G and Peter, in our first reading, Matthew, came to Jesus and asked the question, for how many times will my brother offend me and I have to bear it? Will it be seven times? Now, can you imagine? He was being crafty. You know, among the Jews, there is that tradition that you can only revenge when someone has offended you repeatedly three times. Now, when Peter is saying seven times, so he has doubled it. You know, he had seven apples here, didn't we? So Peter has doubled it up and added one more. So in his eyes, Jesus would say, Yeah, Peter, you are fantastic. You have done very well. You have exceeded all expectations. That's what he probably was thinking that Jesus would say. But then, what Jesus said, in this particular Matthew passage says 77 what? Times. Now but some of that scripture says 77 times 7. <laughs> so you can imagine 77 times means the person is keeping a record and ticking up. Okay, number 1, number 2, number 3, number 4, number 5 and then they get to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and they're nodding their head. Okay, Jesus said 77 times. He's getting to 70. Now, 1, 2, count down, seven, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. All up now. This is my time of revenge. No, that's not what Jesus was saying. What he was actually trying to bring to the people was how foolish it was for you to just keep those records. You mean you have nothing good to do with your time apart from going back to your dad you bring it out and you take one more time they have offended me and you write it down. Is that all that you have to do in life? And that was what Peter was expecting Jesus would give him an endorsement seven times. But Jesus said no, 77 from this scripture. Now, we go on to the Old Testament. What happened? The other day, we heard about David, you know, forgiven. David giving an instruction the other time to his son Solomon, someone he should never forgive. And Solomon went on to find an excuse, an excuse to kill this man. He gave the man a condition that looked very simple. He said, this man, look, you have offended my family. But you know what? I've forgiven you. But make sure you don't leave Jerusalem. 
The man thought to himself, oh, that's a very simple thing. I've never lived Jerusalem all my life. But then he forgot that he has animals that could wander out of Jerusalem. And someone came to him and said, your animal has wandered away. And he forgot his promise to Solomon. And he went after that animal. And when he went after that animal out there, people came back and told Solomon, do you know the man who vowed he will never go out of Jerusalem did go out of Jerusalem? We have it before us on real authority. You know, when you read the news these days, even when they don't have anything to say, they will tell you, you know, very, very strong authority say to us that the royal family has done this or done that. They can't quote anyone, but they give, you know, guys to back up their story. So they went to Solomon and said, this has happened. We have concrete evidence. And this man came back and Solomon said to him, hey, you made a promise to me. Why is it that you have broken your own promise? Now, sorry, it's not my fault. We had an agreement. You go for it. And that man was killed. Now, on this occasion, our reading was still part of David's house. Absalom, his son. Very, very stubborn young man. But on this occasion, Absalom had a reason to keep a grudge. He had a reason to keep a grudge. Now, Absalom, his brother, half-brother Amnon, many years back had raped a sister, and Absalom saw it was a horrendous thing to do. It was an incest, never to be allowed. But David thought of what to do. The law would have been stone him. But David won't allow any of that to happen. So Absalom was bitter all his life. And so he was waiting for the time to have his pound of flesh. And so years after, people have forgotten that. But Absalom still held that grudge. You know, sometimes people remember what was done to them, like I did as a little boy, many years back. Some people have been really offended. Some people have had experiences that when they tell today, they're still weeping. And you may be one of those. So there must be a good reason why the person has those thoughts still lingering. So Absalom had reason to keep that grudge. But as he was keeping that grudge, on this occasion, he came to his father, David, and said, I've had a good harvest this year. Could you come and enjoy with me, your majesty? I don't know. It seems David knew something was really amiss. And David said, oh, no, why will I come? Don't worry. We don't want to be a burden to you. Don't worry. Just go and enjoy. I give you my blessing. Now, but he won't go. He said, but... My daddy, could you allow Amnon, my brother? Why Amnon? He had many other brothers. But he mentioned this specific person. And David was like, why? He said, please, daddy, please, daddy, please. You know, it's all right. Okay, okay, okay. I give, I give him permission to go and enjoy with you. But he had given orders to his servants. As soon as Amnon, who probably was known to be a drinker, Soon as he begins to, you know, show the tips and hit him, hit him very hard, and that they did. 
The news flew, you know, the news flies very, very fast. Even before the people had got home, you can imagine how the people get the news to tell David. Even before the news, the people who were in the party had come, the news had reached David. But the news were all a big lie that Absalom had killed all of the servants of the sons of the king. And David was desperate. And then someone said, no, I think the, the, the real story is that only one person, Abnon. But even if it's one person, it was still very bad. But anyway, as they were still talking, here were people on their horses riding furiously back. And they looked and said, oh yes, I can see. They're coming back, they're coming back. But who were they coming back? Because the news is all of them had been killed. Maybe it's their servants coming back. But it turned out to be true. Only Abner. But that is the impact of unforgiveness. What has happened? Now, if we look at you know, the word unforgiveness, actually I looked at the dictionary, you hardly find that word. It's a word we've made up really. But there's unforgiving, there's unforgivable. Unforgiveness that should be like a noun, it's not really you know, found in the dictionary. But unforgiving is being unwilling to do what? To forgive. Having or making no allowance for error or weakness. You know, there are people like that. No allowance for error or weakness. One, strike you. And number three is, you know, very harsh, being very harsh or difficult. Not allowing weakness or error. Now, someone went on then to describe unforgiveness. This Kate Mega said, Unforgiveness is when you are unwilling or unable to do what? Forgive someone for hurting, betraying, or breaking your trust, or causing you intense emotional pain. That's when you talk of unforgiveness. Breaking your trust, breaking, you know, causing hurt to you. So there could be real genuine reason and so what causes unforgiveness as we have seen there could be a genuine or sometimes perceived grievances it's not always it's not always genuine sometimes people think but they are actually wrong they haven't investigated like those who came to tell david he has killed all your sons they didn't get the whole story they were making up something so there could be perceived wrong and sometimes it's arrogance who blinks first? I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not going to say sorry. That's one word. Sorry. It's one word that's very difficult to say for a lot of people. Once I said sorry, and someone came to me and said, Reverend, you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't always have to say sorry. I said, really? Why? I mean, if you feel there's something that you need to say sorry about, please do say sorry. And so, arrogance can make us. And the Bible says pride goes before what? Before. It could also be a burst of anger. You know, I'm never going to forgive you. But somehow, that burst of anger, because it wasn't handled, gradually began to grow into a big flame. And it began to rage on, like it was with Absalom, until he had his revenge. Also, it's about the consequence. You know, ignorance. People don't know that unforgiveness can actually deal with their own health. It erases your blood pressure. Haven't you thought when somebody did something to you and you're raging? You know, you know, what? 
That is, your blood is boiling and you're just wondering, I will never forgive. You can drop and have a heart attack just because of what? Unforgiveness. And that's what God is bringing to our attention today. Sometimes it's lies from the devil. Prejudice. Oh, because he is like that, she is like that. Oh, yes, she could actually do that. No, they have not verified whether the person did it or not. But they have a picture and their prejudice. And that becomes the reason for their anger or unforgiveness. And then, of course, revenge. Like Absalom wanted and he had. But I think as Christians, if someone is living in unforgiveness, it's lack of grace. If grace has saved us, God expects that we forgive other people. And look at what Martin Luther uh, King Jr. said. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is what? A constant attitude for a Christian. It's not something God asks you for. That's why Jesus says 77. It's not just occasional. It's something you have to do every day, every time. Every day, every time. So there are many consequences. I think I'm going to continue this some of the time, but I just want us to think about it. Is there someone that you are holding in your heart? Because, you know, I have said it can affect your health. It's been said that it causes, you know, about 61% of, you know, cancer patients have forgiveness issues from a research. It was found, I don't know, that 61% of those who have suffered with cancer have had unforgiveness issues, forgiveness issues. And, you know, suppressed anger talked about it, low self-esteem. Sometimes people feel, you know, how can I forgive? You're looking down on me. No, it's just what you're thinking. It's low self-esteem. We have to grow beyond it. And of course, we read Hebrews that talked about the root of bitterness. When unforgiveness is left unattended, it creates what? A root of bitterness. But Jesus said, every tree that my heavenly father has not planted has to be what? Uprooted. So today might be the day for you to deal with unforgiveness and ask the Lord to really take it away. When someone has hurt or disappointed you, the logical response will be to think that you are hurting them by not forgiving them or holding a grudge. The harsh truth actually is that you are causing yourself more pain by holding on to the anger and the person that you wish not to forgive there's some conscious power to control you they are there having fun and you are there bitter and really actually finding what shall I do and you're reeling with the pain they don't know about it so you are handing them the authority to have control over you. However, you can disconnect from the power of control when you forgive. And that was what that lady, um, um, Kate Megas, said in her research when she found out what unforgiveness was doing to people. And it's very, very important one last thing I want to say is a consequence of unforgiveness. It kills the anointing. 
The Bible says, do not quench the spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the spirit. It goes on to say, do not despise prophecy. So to quench the spirit, so a lot of times we want the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we are waiting. But in our heart is unforgiveness. In our heart is the putrid apple that is rotting and you know emitting acidic and um, you know uh, uh, all kinds of uh, um, effluence so what shall we do number one in closing admit it sit back and take it make a think you know reflect over it is there someone i haven't forgiven admit it when we admit it that's the first step towards repentance admit you have not forgiven that person don't say well I told them I've forgiven them and yet when you went home you were still thinking I'm going to get them no you haven't forgiven number two repent of it Jesus said this is what will happen to those who don't forgive so he's saying to us if there's someone that we are holding in unforgiveness forgive them repent of it let go you know when Lazarus came out from the grave he was still having the grave cloth what did Jesus say lose him and let him go are you tying somebody lose them and let them go today we're going to pray for deliverance we're going to ask the Lord father I've tried to forgive this person maybe your parents many years back Maybe they are no longer alive and you can't even confront them. If that person is no more here, the only place to get forgiveness is before God. So today we're going to pray and say, God, please forgive me. I've held this grudge for a long time. Or even in the church here, maybe there's someone who has offended you and you've been wondering, you've been, you've been smarting, you've been actually carrying the weights. And you're wondering, what shall I do? Hey, my friends, come to help me one more time. Yeah? Kathleen, you want to come and help me? Yeah, let's see how heavy this could be. Let's see, which ones would you think will be? You're going for those ones. <laughs> come over here. <laughs> those ones are very heavy. Now, think about it. Oh, that's very simple. You see, just lifted it. Try the next one. A bit heavier, isn't it? Now try the next one. Let's see. Ah. Ooh. A bit heavier. But you did it. Well done. Well done. Thank you very much. Now, if I were to ask you to carry this, oh, I, even for me, it's very heavy. Right? But if I removed this, Oh, yeah, it's very light. And then if I removed the next one, it's even lighter still. And if I actually took this out and this holder was free, very, very easy. So what is God saying to us today? Unburden yourself. Let go. Drop them, one after the other. Don't use it for your exercise every day. I'm not going to forgive them. Come on. 
I'm not gonna forgive them. No, 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 no. Drop it. Drop it. When you think of that one, think of the rotten apple. Don't think of the weight. Because the weight is giving you pleasure. I will not forgive them. But when you think of the apple, the rotten apple, you will not carry it every day. Shall we come to God in prayer? The prayer Jesus taught us is, Father, forgive us our trespasses. As we do what? Forgive those who trespass against us. I cannot think there's anyone here in this house who has never been offended by someone. I can't think of anyone who has gone through life and has never been offended. Or themselves have not offended someone. But the Lord has been speaking to me about this church. He's saying to us, we need to forgive and let go. So this morning is a time for you to just lay it at the foot of Jesus' cross. The Bible says, cast your cares, cast your burden. A burden is a weight, something heavy, something that makes you uncomfortable. Could you now cast it? Say, Lord, take it away from me, Father. Forgive me for holding this grudge all this while. I let go of that person. I get my liberty. Forgive me, Father. Lord, give me your peace. You can actually be repeating this prayer with me. Say, Lord, give me your peace. Take away this weight from my heart. The consequences of them, Lord, take them away. Renew me, Holy Spirit. Give me freedom. Oh, yes. Jesus said, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed.